three, two, one, all the way from SoCal, Fritz Rodriguez. Hey, uh, how's everything there, bro? How's everything there? Good evening, guys. Um, everything is good. Uh, what an honor it is to be part of your your podcast. Mm. And I'm looking forward to sharing. <laughs> More than anything, this is bound to happen uh, because of everything that I'm trying to to build and puzzle together and as much as possible those who are going to watch this and, and listen to the audio version will have a better understanding and a better glimpse of how was the martial arts scene what were the events that needed to happen in order to mold the MMA and the BJJ scene as we see it today so my jump off point for you, Fritz, uh, your martial arts journey, like how, what was your first, like first introduction to martial arts? And uh, I mean, as far as you can come, how, as far as you can remember, how did it all began? Oh, well, um, my parents always used to push me when I was young. I was kind of an inactive kid mm-hmm. growing up. And um, so my parents took me to Taekwondo Mm. when I was like seven or eight but I didn't like it I didn't like getting hurt so I after like maybe a couple of years of trying to convince my parents like finally they made me quit <laughs> but then um later on later on uh I've always found myself getting in situations where I didn't have the confidence to defend myself so I was looking for some way to be able to um, overcome those insecurities and martial arts for me was the best outlet that I could have um, put myself into. Mm-hmm. So um, during this is like what 1993, 94, I was looking, I was always a big fan of Bruce Lee and all that, like everyone mm-hmm. else. Um, Squadron Shop, Viramal was really near my place so I'd mm-hmm. go there and check out the videos and all that I was looking into what martial arts I could get into at that time the closest I could get was there's um, Aikido mm. Combat Aikido Yao Yan I didn't really like the striking arts in um, 1994 95 I was visiting my uncle in New York and he introduced me to the Ultimate Fighting Championships Mm-hmm. And everyone knows during that time, Hoyce Gracie and all that, you know, changed, you know, changed the martial arts scene. Uh, and then when I was in high school, I had these two crazy classmates who would always talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Philippine martial arts uh, community are familiar with these two guys, Robert San Diego and Erwin Tagle. They were my classmates in the senior year of high school, and they just kept on messing around in class and somehow sparked my interest. We'd talk about um, legends in the Filipino uh, martial arts or fight scene. Mm. Legends like uh, uh, Alvin Aguilar. You know, they were big, mm. big names back then, and they were in college, we were in high school. Alvin mm. Aguilar, Joel Yaptin Chai, you know, Miguel Zubiri. <laughs> yeah. You'd see them out in 
uh, San Mig and Mars, and we'd be like me, Erwin, Robert, like, oh, yan si ganyan, yan si Idol, oh, yeah. <laughs> like little kids, like, peeking through, you know, oh, yan si, si Alvin Aguilar, he's like this, like that, he turns with Hoyce Gracie, like, wow. <laughs> okay, so this was at the time that, I know, Alvin was with Hoyce na. Okay. Yeah, Alvin, I, we heard... Uh, rumor had it that he trained with Hoyce Gracie mm. and yeah he was a badass those, those guys <laughs> then the the guys from the south and then there's Villa Campa in the north and yeah those guys were the ones that we were like oh we, we wish we could be like them when we grew up <laughs> and then um, in 97 I was always wondering where this Hoist Gracie, where where he worked, where this guy trained. I I was always thinking he was in some sort of uh, remote place here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Little did I know he his gym, Gracie Academy with Horion, was maybe like not more than ten minutes away from where my uncle lived in Torrance. So <laughs> one day I was passing by, I saw it. Yeah, I saw the sign. I was like, wow. I came back and I started training. That's okay. 1997. Never looked back since, man. <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes away, long pala. It was just, you know, it, it was a ten, ten minute drive. Away, yeah. yeah. And then from there, so then the 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 knack and the then that's where you started training jujitsu. And then was this like you're shuttling between Philippines and or about like Philippines states? Um, when did did you go like do a formal training dito sa Philippines where you were here? I trained with um first I started Sarian when mm-hmm. I was in um Lasal. I found um Alvin Lee and Alvin Aguilar, Joel Yapinchai, those guys. I was able to um hook up with them and we started doing informal uh lot of lot of uh jeet kune do concepts and then Alvin would show up they at first they wouldn't teach me grappling that's for the boys long down secretly land you know they didn't want it so that's when I went to the Gracie Academy to train mm-hmm. yeah and then afterwards I don't know, like then what was there like a time where in there was a grappling class and then then the gulat sila marunong ka rin pala mag grappling or how no how... they 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 everyone knew that uh uh, I I kind of told everyone, hey, I'm gonna go to the academy. I asked Alvin, what how is it like? You know, mm-hmm. and he was like, okay. And we were not really that close before. He was, he saw me as like, you know, tong batang to na training sa Gracie, probably like uh-huh. that, you know. Uh-huh. And um, so I went over there and I trained and then came back here. I I took a two week intensive training course um in the Gracie Academy, mm-hmm. uh one summer one summer and uh went back went back and um shared here and there what i learned mm-hmm. yeah. and then afterwards was the the shempre sarian days that was like college ne, diba? college days na, na ka, mm-hmm. and then how was how was the experience of training there and the difference between and how it did it progress because this is something that's been unfolding through even the other conversations I had with yeah, sila Sixto, sila, 
sila Alvin, sila Pichon, and I've always asked, uh, I've all, I, I, I always end up asking these questions. Like for you, uh, how would you answer it? How would you answer this question? Like how were you able to sustain the interest and the momentum of training given that jiu-jitsu wasn't really popular, jiu-jitsu was practically unknown back then, right? So how were you able to sustain and maintain your interest? Like what drove you to keep training? You know, what, what motivated you to, to learn this given that there was limited information? Well, our motivation back then, my motivation at least, was just to be the toughest guy in, in Mars and San Mig. <laughs> that was just my motivation then. That's the real reason why I probably got, you know, stuck to the sport, of course, and hanging out with the right, you know, like the, the cool kids, mm-hmm. you know, once we got to train, once I got to train, these guys were the cool kids. Uh, when I was in, in high school, I would look peek and say, oh, it would be awesome to be one of them. So that's what I tried to do. You know? <laughs> and then you finally, um, then you finally. Get into oh, wait, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and, and our, our, the, the, uh, young, we only train to, to fight, you know, mm-hmm. to fight. Para pag magyabang, you know. <laughs> that, was, uh, <laughs> that was our, the reason why we trained before, you know, just to be the coolest guys around. But then um, uh, it started getting a little serious, and then um, we started bringing in people from. We brought in Hoyce Gracie, we brought in Kazaka Muniz. Mm-hmm. This was in 1998. Pasokong Labanan brought mm-hmm. in Kazaka Muniz one day, and um, really he was the one who uh, opened my eyes into a whole different kind of jiu-jitsu, the sport jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. aspect. Because he was mm-hmm. from Gracie Baja. Of course, mm-hmm. Gracie's lineage or his way of teaching is more of the self, self-defense, mm-hmm. uh, realistic jiu-jitsu. Well, um, Gracie Baja was more big on the sport, which I only knew when I got introduced to Kazaka. Mm-hmm. And seeing that kind of jiu-jitsu like, blew my mind. Like, wow, there's more to this. And I, yeah. I, I, I know, like, that much i have that much i knew, i thought i was badass but when i met him i i only knew i knew like just just so much of it there's a big sea mm-hmm. of knowledge out there that i didn't know of i wanted mm-hmm. to learn it you know and then and then um go go ahead go ahead and then, cause it, i think um the 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 opportunity with kazeka was was like the narrative is all adding up. Na, na the encounter and meeting Kazeka began the turning point on on when it comes to training, uh, the structure of I mean the structure of training, how preparation was done. So from your perspective, how uh, obvious changes that happened when it comes to preparing you guys for tournaments for your MMA bouts. Well, he taught us how to train properly, like athletic, like an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sport. You have to train. You have to have the mindset of an athlete. Mm-hmm. You can't, um, it's very different from the self-defense where, you know, you just know a cer- certain set of moves to be able to survive and get out of any situation that, you mm-hmm. know, you get caught in. But sport, 
you know, support your training for someone with the same knowledge, with the same level as you. But now you have to, it, it comes down, you know, to who wants it more, who trained mm-hmm. harder, who had more healthy lifestyle. That's the difference between the sportive aspect and um, the way I first um, learned jujitsu from, you know. And then from there, ano to, 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 and then of course you can't escape your crazy Kazeka stories because. All <laughs> different. <laughs> sobrang, sobrang wild si Kazeka, eh, di ba? Pero, pero he, he was able to. to yun na yun. I think that is the best, uh, probably. The, the mind shifting part of everything uh, with regards to approaching training, the wealth of knowledge, and yeah, and parang, parang like a mind blown moment. Eh. Even Sir Richard sabi niya, he thought na, na he was already training hard, but then when he met Kazeka and he, Kazeka was able to conduct the training sessions and uh, Alvin allowed him to prepare the guys for tournaments or whoever was gonna fight. Dunya nakita yung shift in priorities like uh, exactly na you have to treat it like an athletic endeavor talaga diba? so from mm-hmm. fr- from there eh, from there so how how did everything progress now like from the guy that was that was just speaking through the window now you're actually training with the guys that you wanted to train with okay how was that experience Yeah, I was out of this world, you know. I went to Brazil in 2000. After, um, before then, I was watching, I'd get videotapes. Mario Scarry, Tino Paba, Henzo Gracie, and all that. Now, uh, I, I'm there in the same room with maybe 50 of those superstars back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I was starstruck. I was a white belt, and you see Nino Shembri and... And these world champions, you know, Petosa, back then, uh, Egan. And wow, you know, you want to be now. Now, my mind shift from being, I wanting to be the coolest guy in Makati. Now I wanted to be a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu bro. You know, <laughs> seeing those guys, how's a white belt? Is, wow, now I'm seeing how those guys carry themselves, how they walk around, you know, how people... saw them you, you, you wanted I wanted to be like that like wow I want to mm-hmm. be a black belt you know <laughs> at that at that time it seemed like an impossible goal mm-hmm. a long journey ahead <laughs> but I was I was um uh determined you know to reach that level mm-hmm. and then from from continuously training and then you shifted to MMA uh anong Like, which URCC did you fight? Like, the first fight? URCC 2. Okay. Who was your... Sino ba kalaban mo nun? Dit Torres, Taekwondo. Oh, so so from... So, in URCC 2, so, you, of course, you were you were there in, in URCC 1. You, you were able to see the success of that event. Um, how did the whole... Like, your first MMA match... Like how did it happen? Like how how were you approached about it? Um, who did they tell you who were you gonna face and how were how did you prepare for it? Um, us me uh, doing MMA, uh, competing in MMA for me, 
was a way to promote Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to the Philippine public, you know, to the Philippine mm-hmm. masses. Um, that's the only reason why I stepped in the ring, you know, so that it would be more mainstream, to try to make it mainstream and see, you know, the effectiveness of ground fighting. Mm-hmm. And um, that, and that's how uh, I got into it. I asked, I approached Alvin actually for mm-hmm. a match and that's, yeah, he was able to um, uh, match me up with the Torres. Mm-hmm. And we prepared for it like uh, back then. The the more you get beat up, the tougher you become. That's the mindset back then, you know. Mm-hmm. The the tougher you are, the harder you you know you are to to beat. So we just spent hours and hours trying to beat each other up, and that's how, yeah, that's how <laughs> that's how uh, my first fight. Um, Preparation for my first fight was just a whole lot of uh, ass. How did the fight? Never. How long did the fight last? It lasted maybe uh, maybe two minutes stops, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was nervous. I was nervous. I, you know, being in the ultra with all those people, I was nervous. I. Shade, I, I think I remember losing a step, getting off balance, and then I had to go up, take him down. I mounted him easy, and then I punched him once, and he gave me a look like, what, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. What did I get myself into? I looked at um, the ref. I was like, I don't think he wants to fight again. The ref mm-hmm. was like, no, go on. I punched him again from the mount. I was like, yeah, ref, look, he doesn't want <laughs> I got off him, and that was it. Okay. Uh, yeah, for, and, and the preparation was how long? Like for that particular fight, Ooh. like how? Uh, eight week camp, you know. Eight week camp, so so that week. so it's about, it's about two months. About, yeah. yeah, like a two month. months. Yeah. yeah, two months. Two months. because it's it's yeah. um tell most people na, especially the the aspiring MMA fighters that that like a two three month camp could either go full three rounds, full five rounds, or just two minutes. Yeah, so yeah, so you have to prepare for all scenarios, and yeah, prepare. Camp- we when I prepared, yeah, when I prepared, the the guys that I had, Rafi Garcia, he was preparing for the fight. Richard, um, Joe, Jerome, who else was? Well, they had Louis, Orlando, Dulai. You know, mm-hmm. we were all. Um, I think even Greg. Yeah, well, a bunch of us. There's like a whole. I, I have a picture. In the dugouts, and there's mm-hmm. like ten of us from DefTac, so it was fun. It was a, a, a more like a party, you know, going in there and anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. But uh, we would push go, ourselves go. hard, and and at some point, I'd like when I'd break or one of us would break, and like you, why are we not we're not even finding someone that tough, and. We're like, no, man, you prepare for this with a mindset that you're going to face Vanderlei Silva or Shogun. That's how you have to prepare. You can't slack off because when you get out there, you know, if you're not prepared, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this one. I I asked the same question to Richard. It's like, when you got to the venue, how was it like? Like, as far as you can recall, like, your very first fight, 
it was the second URCC, the second MMA event in the Philippines. Like going to the venue, and once you arrive there, what was the atmosphere? And what was the atmosphere? How was how was everyone? How was everything? And then, like like walk us through it. Um, it was exciting the first one. Of course, you always have the butterflies going in. It's more of um, performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. Stage actors get it, you know. Um, at the same time, exciting. You're there with um, a bunch of friends. The mm-hmm. dugout. It was like a, like I said earlier. It's more like a party, mm-hmm. a big, uh, so like a party of fights and all that. It was exciting. Um, uh, of course, yeah. Like I said, the butterflies, but more more of excitement going mm-hmm. into that one particular event. That was a good event. We had two Brazilians in the main event. Mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, I was the fight before that. Mm-hmm. I recall, yeah. It was, yeah. It was exciting. And then, of course, Differ- different from. No, different from. Different from the the other fights that we mm-hmm. will talk about later on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this story one is a little bit fun. No, and then because feeling talaga the initial the initial installments of the URCC was exactly like what you said it was a good introduction. The ground fighting it was a good introduction for people to have a certain grasp of the concept behind what is Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and the art of grappling and even yeah your fight lasted for like two minutes more than two minutes so when you won that fight what was was it relief was it excitement like what did you feel right after I didn't feel like na a bit ako, you know. Mm-hmm. Two minutes, I didn't do much. He didn't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt the one I won, but I didn't feel like, you know, anything different. Like, okay, so this is what it is to win. Like, I didn't feel like I deserved it or I earned. I worked for the win. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Orlando Dula having a highlight reel finish, knocking mm-hmm. out Cobra with a spinning. He spun in the air, knocked him out. I wanted that kind of finish, you know. I, I, I wanted that kind of excitement from the crowd. Mine was kind of like a boring fight. I was like, I took him down, I punched him once. I, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I, I felt good. Yeah, win is always good. But I didn't feel like I worked harder. I didn't, want, I didn't feel like I was able to show what I trained for. Mm-hmm. And then prior yeah. to... And, and... A little disappointment, yeah. And then prior to but prior to that fight, prior to that fight and after that fight, were you competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments? There, well, I went to 2000, 2002, we went to the Mundials. Mm-hmm. I first went with, in 2000, it was just me and Kazaka who went to the, to the world in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then 2002, I brought Richard, I, not Richard, I brought Rafi, Pichon. And um, Erickson, Erickson and Alvin, we all went to Brazil and we competed in the world and experienced that. Um, how was, the, how was then, the Brazil we were, experience? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different story to tell. Do you, how much time do we have here? We have a lot of time, bro. <laughs> we, Don't worry. We have a we, lot of time. We had so much fun over there that um, nowadays, even until this day, you know, when we're 
together. That's the topic of our conversation, you know, <laughs> our legendary trip. Mm-hmm. No, we have to top that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't topped that one yet. Mm-hmm. Right? Because from yeah, from and, um, ano like the the, the 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 stories long was like you were able to, um, you only had, uh, part of the experience and the main difference between training the Gracie Jiu Jitsu style versus, uh, the the eye opening experience that Kazeka gave you. And then you all went to Brazil and you trained there to compete in the Mundials. Like, how was training with, how was the training in the Gracie Baja Academy? It was very good. You know, you see everyone there training, same goals as you. You know, very, very motivating, you know, mm-hmm. being around guys who have, you know, been there and um, accomplished what you're trying to accomplish. And still, you see them working hard, trying to do more. You know, that that's what's good about Gracie Baja, the, our experience over there. Yeah. And then I think that was the shift from Anone. Uh, I think that's where, is it, did you guys, did we transfer to Gracie Baja before you guys competed the Worlds because of Kazeka or? No. Duna. When you guys, when you guys uh, competed in Brazil, Duna naging Gracie Baja because Kazeka wanted you guys to Kazeka wanted you guys to represent Gracie Baja na. Yes, I think um before then uh maybe a year before I introduced Alvin and Kazeka. At first Alvin was hesitant, you mm-hmm. know, to switch. But when I introduced him to the sport of aspect, he also I, I have you know, I think, you know, he also his mindset also changed the way I, my mindset changed when I met Kazeka and got introduced to sport jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, hey, Alvin, you know, check this out. This is a whole different jujitsu. I went to Brazil, I brought it back, you know, and I introduced Alvin to sporting, sport jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I showed them, you know, this is Gracie Baja, this is how they compete over there. You know, let's, let's try it out, let's check it out. And after a while, he was. He said, "Okay, bring Kazaka in. Let's see what he has." And I think um, Alvin also saw, got impressed, and said, "Okay, let's check this out. Let's go to Brazil." And oh man, we had the time of our lives over there, and life changing. I'm sure, like like myself, you know, I can I can I can speak for everyone too that our lives like switched <laughs> after that trip. Our lives switched after that trip. Yeah. It's a life-changing experience what we went, what we experienced over there. Mm-hmm. And from from the first fight, uh, who was your second opponent? In MMA. Oh, was, in uh, MMA now. Hank, Hank, Hank yeah, Lazaro. Richie Lazaro now. Yeah. Okay, so tell us the story. For me, I say as. As a from from a fan perspective and from a martial artist perspective, like a lot of people just saw that fight as a fight, but for me and for everyone in the martial arts industry, it was a very pivotal. I mean, I mean, would you as much as you can tell? And for me, that was a very pivotal fight. That was a very important fight. Because it changed a lot. I mean. Believe it or not, okay, everything changed because of one fight. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> everything, 
everything changed because of one fight. So, from the guy who was there, hey, so tell us the story behind that. I, I, I was just an instrument, I think, to, you know, uh, to, to the, uh, parang instrument now para for that change to happen, you know. I guess, I guess, um, they chose the two biggest guys in the two biggest rival teams. At first, you know, we used to be one club, but mm -hmm. um, we were the northern chapter of Alvin's club mm -hmm. in the south. And then, um, you know how it all starts, like everything else, ego, whose balls are bigger, my, my balls are bigger than yours. And, mm -hmm. and um, pretty soon, nagkaingitan or whatever it was, then... Uh, There's always the human violent, factor there. You know? oh. They got violent and um, you know, people people got hurt. Mm -hmm. People ended up in the hospital. One guy lost his life, you know, because of this um, very petty, petty, you know, petty thing to think about it. Right now, back then, we thought it was the world, you know. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm my... I'm bigger than you, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My rep is bigger than you. I'm, I'm, I'm the baddest guy in Makati, you know, or whatever. We're the baddest club. We rule, you know. It's all about turf and all that, like gang, gang, mm -hmm. gang stuff. And um, that wasn't for me. Um, seeing how I just wanted to train, you know. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to train, and I. Seeing that was like I already saw, I already been to Brazil, you know, I already experienced how it is to be this, the athlete and all this jujitsu lifestyle. And coming mm -hmm. back home and seeing this, you know, I didn't want it anymore. I was like, dude, you guys are way behind, you know. Mm -hmm. Here we are, um, uh, trying to be bigger than each other just to see who's the toughest guy in the club. And uh, halfway across the world, people are doing bigger, better things. Than, I was kind of sick with that um, mentality back home, and I was like, "Dude, I, that's that's I kind of my training kind of went down because of that." And mm -hmm. and uh, you and people got hurt, and mm -hmm. I, I wanted that change before uh, before before two thousand two. Um, you and people were going out and. Uh, uh, fighting in the street, proving mm. who's better in the street. Yeah, you know, and I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to be part of that anymore. You know, so um, Hank was part of Pasokuan. I was, I was in that club, and uh, I didn't like how it was turning out. So I was like, hey, you know, I just want to train. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go over there because some um, people in uh, Alvin's club have uh, people that want to. Train, you know, I had Joey, I had Sean, I had Richard, and these guys, they had no intention of fighting outside in the street, you know, these guys aren't that type of people, mm -hmm. you know, they just wanted to train, and I said, that's what I want to do, I don't want to fight in the street, mm -hmm. um, so, there, and then they just pitted us, pitted us together, I guess, um, uh, the promoters was like, let's put Fritz in, the biggest guy in Def Pack, against Hank, the biggest guy of Paso Koan, and... Mm -hmm. Let's see. Let's see how that goes. I don't think um, the intention of stopping, putting an end to street fights, 
was the, was I think that was the intention back then. I think um, uh, it was just who's the better club, but that was the outcome. Of, that was um, a surprising outcome of that fight. Was it opened everyone's eyes in the each team that they you know it's a sport. Why why are we doing this in the street when we have this venue this uh this place where we could um really train and become better develop ourselves and really see who's the better better fighter you know and then how then take then same as the first i know like another fight or for the people who who went there it was it was something that would entertain them but for you and especially during that rivalry like how was it now like from the the difference between your first fight and this one like how different was it like what was the feeling during that night uh how was the crowd how was the venue were there did they take any precautions or i mean was there what it, what what was the atmosphere kumbaga knowing that there's the... this thing hanging yeah yeah um the the tension is started way before way before you the what the crowd saw that night mm-hmm. you know what the crowd saw that night um we for me rich Lazaro was this giant of a person that he was actually the one my second day in Sarian when I was in in Asal, Richie showed up and um, he caught me in an arm bar and I was like, what is that? You know, I was on top. I was, I didn't understand what the guard position was. Mm-hmm. I was on top. I was hitting him. I was trying to hit him, but I couldn't. And then he got me in a reverse arm bar, I remember? And I was like, what is that? How did he get, how did he get me like that? You know? And he invited me to his home and we trained. That's when I started because um, I wanted to train. Um, Sarian was every Wednesday for like yeah. maybe 30, 40 minutes and I wanted to train more. So he was like, hey, we, we're here in Wak Wak and um, a group of guys are training here and come join us, you know. So I went over there and that's where I met Miles and those guys. And from then on, I started training, you know, ground, ground fighting, stand up. And uh, Richie Lazaro always been this guy who was bigger and better and um, had more experience than I did. So going into that fight, I knew that. And that was, um, that was the weight on my shoulders. Like, shoot, this guy, he's good, you know? Mm-hmm. I have to train. There's, there's, um, there's a pride at stake. There's a lot of um, ego and, and um, uh, bragging rights. You know, there's a lot. There, for me at that time, there was a lot of stake, you know? Just, mm-hmm. Not just for me, for my team. Mm-hmm. You know, so I prepared really hard. We we flew in Kazakhstan for that. I stayed at Rizal. We um. What do you mean you stayed at Rizal? Like okay, so so that you had I, I, better access yeah, to. Yeah, we, we we hey yes um uh we I rented an apartment and. I think it was Torre Lorenzo somewhere in mm-hmm. front of Rizal Memorial and uh, me and Kazeka only had we had only a bunk bed over there mm-hmm. and that's all we had and we'd wake up every morning run in the track wrestle go back home eat sleep tapos agabi red corner you know mm-hmm. and that was my life for eight weeks 
training hard, throwing up, you know, uh, at the point of breaking, mm-hmm. giving up, and then, yeah, and then getting into the fight. When you get into the fight now, you know, you go, actually, the, as um, you, the venue gets closer and closer, your mm-hmm. heart starts pounding, you're in the back, um, I was focused, you know, trying to block out the crowd. But you can hear, you know, you can hear the crowd. There was no locker rooms back then. So my locker room was my car. Yeah, outside. You could hear the crowd, you know, inside. And knowing that you're the final, that's, you know, that's, you're the one who they came for to watch. Added Mm -hmm. to the, the, yung kaba, yung intensity, you know. (laughs) The pressure and the drama. Yeah. Um, I remember Mr. Suave was the I was outside. Someone walked into that. I was with Mr. Suave and the whole crowd, oh, 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 oh. Uh. I was like, oh, you stick to No, the Kabado Kasalavas, hearing that. The crowd was there, you know, cheering, yelling. And I just couldn't wait for that fight to get over. I just wanted to get over with, you know. And then, like, like talk us through like what happened during the fight. Um, dude, that, when I see the fight and I see my pictures, I was like, "Wow, well, who was that guy?" You know, that wasn't me. You know, that the, the stare down. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like it's I, I posted it down, uh, and people were like, "That's you, Fritz." I, I I can't believe that's you. You know, you're always smiling, and I'm like, yeah, that's not me. <laughs> that was someone else back in there, and um. Yeah, I just I just uh auto, nag autopilot na lang ako and I just applied what I knew and mm-hmm. I got the victory. I somehow um I think I picked them apart. It was a two ten minute round fight and mm-hmm. I I think I beat him in the last minute. I just beat, I was patient, picked him apart, got position and then from there on I was I mounted him. Um Threw a couple of punches and the referee stopped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for, for that, like, <laughs> FYI for those whose first time to, I mean, you sinabi niya kanina, the URCC back then adapted a two round, 10 minute rounds. It was a two 10 minute rounds. So the first round and the second round were 10 minutes. So it was a, so alam mo na if you're fighting in the URCC back then, you were not, you, you were in it for the long haul. They were ten minutes is long. Trust me. Damn, damn those days, man. I'm glad <laughs> you guys, these fighters right now, don't, don't know how lucky they are. You, you do two ten minute rounds. These guys, we thought for two ten minute rounds we gotta train double, so that's forty minutes of sparring every freaking day. It's like the sigh of relief when 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 URCC started adapting to the international. Like they're slow, slowly adapting and they're adhering to more a more internationally based format. Now, now it's yeah, uh, three five minute rounds, five five minute rounds for title bouts. As in when they announced that, nakita mo na talagang ichuro ng mga fighters no, yung mga fighters kaya hindi ko like. Because yeah. Uh, like when when I was helping our teammates for their fights, the shepre ten minute rounds. Kahit ako, 
<laughs> Bad trip to ah. Even yeah. us, the sparring partners, were tired. We were exhausted. The the training back then and the, the mindset and training back then is really different from the way I coach my fighters now. Now it's more of a scientific kind of approach, you know. Mm-hmm. Back then, you know, Bubuga, the, the more you get beat up, the tougher you are. Now, I'm... Um, you don't have to kick the banana tree, you know, to, mm-hmm. to achieve the same results. You can get the same in the banana bag without mm-hmm. uh, busting your shins and getting the same results, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the difference between then and now. Now it's more of a scientific. You don't have to get your ass beat in training constantly to be able to be successful in the fight. Mm-hmm. And then from... from <laughs> <laughs> you. Sabi ko, sabi ko, whenever I share stories with my students and like the, the new teammates, I go like, the training back then was like, you watch the Spartans train or you have a glimpse of how Spartans train, that was it. <laughs> it's like, it was, it was a battle of like, matira matibay. And then... Yeah, you think like, you're going to be fighting lions in yeah. the Coliseum with the way we train, man. Mm-hmm. Then I go like, especially yeah, sa Sarayan, no? I go, oh, <laughs> so from there let's go back to the training camps how were the training camps like how was alvin as a coach back then like when you when he was God, the one conducting man. training Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this one story mm-hmm. of one fight. Let's go past Richie Lazarus' fight and my fight now. Is yeah, let's, again, fans, let's, let's go, know, let's go beyond the Richie Lazarus fight. Okay. Okay. Um, I was supposed to fight Ao Hai Lin, mm-hmm. guy from China. I was my, had my mindset to fight that guy. I went back to the States and trained with Kazaka. And same thing, you know, came back, um, found out that the fight was um, scrapped. Uh, the match was scrapped, and I'm fighting this young kid from Guam. I was like, I know, dude, I don't want to fight that guy. I see mm-hmm. his videos. He was like seven and zero. You know, I haven't fought in two years. They had to fight. They had to find um because of the Richie fight. I don't know, for some reason, I couldn't fight local matchups. They didn't want to mm-hmm. fight me. You mm-hmm. know, so we had to look elsewhere. And I wanted, I wanted the uh, after seeing the guy from China. I think I could have. Had a good fight with him, so I, mm-hmm. I asked them to match me up with him, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, they matched me with Frank the Crank. I was like, I don't know, I don't know about that guy. I don't, I don't have any motivation to fight this guy. They were like, No, 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 you got this. So I trained. Um, I went to Red Corner and Intercon every night to train. Okay, and um, I got, I got pushed hard. I got pushed hard the same, same way, but uh. One 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 good story is I you know how Alvin is with his time yeah, you know yeah there's Filipino time and there's, there's, there's Filipino def- time plus and then there's Alvin Aguilar time <laughs> <laughs> so one day I was there at red corner I heard Alvin was gonna be late so I was like dude it's seven o'clock let's get on with this sport 40, 40 minute round you know mm-hmm. forty minute round I did well I remember that day I was so so motivated to spar I was like let's get this training done. And then after the 40 minutes, 
training was done, I was relieved. I, I felt like my my training night was good. My perform I performed good. I see in the pool area, red corner. The ring was outside. I see. Yes, yeah, outside. Yeah, eye, yeah. Alvin standing there. Alvin standing there. He's like, Dreads. Wow, you know, I, he he liked what he saw that day. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how you train. That's how you train. And then he, after that, he's like, okay, let's go train some more. So after that, <laughs> I was like, I was ten o'clock at night, ten thirty. And I had to go through another 40-minute training. You know, I don't know, that camp was, <laughs> that camp was something else. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, that was a harder camp than um, Richie Lazaro. Because uh, first off, um, we train late nights. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no structure. And yeah. Patayan, patayan system, you know. Oh, patayan like, you know, system. Yeah. Well, I didn't have, I didn't have time to recover because the next day, ganyan na naman, you know. I came to, I went in that fight, beat up, you know, beat up. Uh, not, uh, parang wala, wala ako sa laban nun. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this I was goes, just I was just um conditioning my mind that I have to fight and I I'm there at this fight really my heart was in there yeah And and this goes to show how important like now it's a clear indication of of that it that fighting is not just about the physical preparation it's a lot uh, there's there's the mental aspect of training there's the emotional aspect of training i mean if you're just training but your heart's not in it or your attention isn't there it will translate come fight night diba right? yeah yeah so i think it's more 80% they say mental is 80% yeah mhm it's during camp 100% yeah yeah i think it's 100% mental for me, because you have to be 100% there, you know, to train for a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's more, like I said earlier, now it's a more scientific approach. So, I, I'm i glad I did these four, how many fights did I do? Four fights in the URCC. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it made me, it taught me the mental aspect, the mental aspect of the game, you know, what the fighter goes through you know what he's thinking mm-hmm. during the camp mm-hmm. you know when you're at home you know it's a lot it's a lot you have to be 100 percent all throughout the camp and the house in the gym in the in the ring in the cage you know it all it all has it all is mental so mm-hmm. i'm glad i did those four fights now i, I learned the mental aspect and what how to see if a fighter is burned out if he's mm-hmm. If he needs more training, you know what he needs, you know, to be one hundred percent when it comes to fight day. And then from Sinaba, so after after Richie, it was Hank, Hank the Crank. Tama, di ba? Hank the Crank. Crank, crank, the crank, crank, crank the Crank, Crank the Crank. Yeah, he's yeah, from. I think he. Alam ko taga Lloyd Irvin yun naguahan eh. Yeah, he's from Guam. Alam ko nag Lloyd Irvin. He, he's yun. from Saipan and now he fights in the UFC. You mm-hmm. know, you see if you see his fights in the UFC, like dang, badass. 
Yeah. Very conditioned guy. Alam ko si 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 Frank, yeah. one of the yeah. more conditioned he, guys. He loves to fight, you know. Mm-hmm. He loves to fight. And... and then after that, guys, you know, who was your, who did you uh, fight next? Razi Jabari. Razi, Razi Jabari. Jabari. Okay. Yeah. Medjo. That was um. <laughs> the year after Frank the Crank, uh-huh. Razi Jabari. Hey, that's a huge, that's a huge guy. With, yeah, from Iranian, mm-hmm. Iranian guy who came. Yeah, so I, I asked Alvin to match me up. You know, see see if I could uh, overcome the loss. You know, to pick myself up and uh, see how I do. I was mm-hmm. like, if I win this fight, this is gonna be my last fight. If I lost, I maybe I'd, I'd still get a few more. But I was gonna. Yeah, I was like, after this, if I win. I already know how it is to um, overcome a loss, mm-hmm. and I know what to do when it comes to coaching. Because all of this, really, like I said in the start, is just to promote the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and mixed martial arts, just to let people know that it's there. It's it's arrived in the Philippines and it's available. And really, I did all this fighting just to get knowledge just to gain knowledge so that i can pass it on to someone who wants to do that mm-hmm. you know i didn't i didn't see myself going uh that taking that career of a professional mixed martial artist you know i didn't i didn't see myself living that life but i knew i was going to teach from the mm-hmm. start you know okay and then after razi razi was razi the last fight or it was the last fight. It was the last Two, fight. That was the last fight. Mm-hmm. After that, and then you switched the gloves. And how was the switch now? How was the switch now from being the student who was receiving instruction to coaching, like the first years of coaching? Well, um, I always had uh, I always had a passion for for teaching and teaching. Even during the time I was fighting and competing in MMA. I built my gym, the DefTac EDSA, mm-hmm. uh, and I was teaching and training students, training students, um, and, inter- you know, I introduced the jiu-jitsu lifestyle to, to the northern side of Metro Manila, and I had, I really, I, you know. That was a that, classic that chapter. Gym, yeah, so classic. That was a classic, classic chapter. And classic chapter. It's built beasts, you know. Now, now my, like, Tofi and Raymond, they're there doing big things, you know, building beasts, mm-hmm. building the, le- you know, keeping that legacy alive, you know. So, yeah. So, um, uh, teaching now, you know, I, like I, it's always been a passion for me. I love to teach. I, I, I love what I do, you know, and, um, it came natural. I, I keep natural for me you know to be able to pass it down mm-hmm. and then the process of making the decision of opening up your own academy because here's the thing everybody can say nah nah i want to teach i want to teach i want to do this i want to be a coach but you, you it's like you took it several steps further you you decided nah once you get there you decided nah this is for you and then you built your own academy like how was that process like how was that process like the challenges that you faced and what were the problems along the way 
Well, um, you have to do it for the love of it, you know. You mm-hmm. that that's that's it. If you if you do it with the intention of to make money, mm-hmm. I don't think you're getting into it for the right reasons, you know. Because you have to to have a passion for it. You have to, um, uh, yeah. You just have to have a love for it, so that when you fail, you know, because you will fail until now. You know, up to this day, I'm still, I'm still falling, you know, and when it comes to building these gyms, you know, especially now COVID-19, you know, all the gyms are closed. That's another challenge that I'm, we're facing in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to have a passion. You just have to love what you do and enjoy it, you know, because there are times that, uh, yeah, uh, the martial arts business is not as easy as it seems or you know mm-hmm. you can oh, let's, let's open up a gym you don't know the the business side of mm-hmm. it it's not that easy you know student retention gym management fighter trying to trying to um, build fighters at the same time you know and um, for someone who doesn't love or isn't passionate about it it's easy to drop it and hang in, hang the, you know, hang up your gloves as soon as the first uh, sign of uh, distress comes in, you know. Mm. If you don't love it, you're like, ah, let me do something else. But yeah, you have to have the love and the passion for it to be able to um, uh, stay in this kind of business, this kind of lifestyle, you know. It's not easy. <laughs> and from there, when I see when I see that one of the and one of the like to be honest, one of the more motivating things for me, like I'm teaching now and then every time I, I get in a rut, I I don't know how I think getting in a rut is probably for the lack of a better term, like when I'm in a rut and I always ask myself na, na ano ba tong... sometimes there are days I, I don't know if you get them but there are days that I, I tend to question myself na the, why am I doing this or is up to hanggang saan ko ba to kayang dalen and then it brings me comfort to see my friends and yeah I see photos of your gym I see photos of our friends gyms na yan sila, sila Savior sila Chris and all the other gyms that are making it happen, and I, I that is my source of motivation. Parang I see the happy people, and then I, alam mo, I tend to look back and look at my own class photos, and then it, it gives me a good sense of perspective. Na parang okay, this is why I'm doing this. This is like how important is the sense of community when it comes to the survival of a gym. Yes, and we're all in the same. Funny you mentioned because you see us, and we're all the same. And <laughs> we we all have those times when we question ourselves and have doubt, and bakit nagon nagdi, you know? Especially me, I have three kids and all the family. Like, ito ba talaga yung buhay na will this bring um uh will this be able to sustain them? You know, you always think of that. You know, in the future, we'll be able to give them the same life that I experienced, you know, all that, like being a dad and it all, it all 
plays uh, plays with your mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of times that you know when things aren't going your way that you like, you know, it's, it's so easy to quit. But like I said, because we love what we do, we stick around. We may not love it every day, you know. We may not like what's happening happening to us every day, but since we love what we're doing, that's what keeps us around, you know. Especially now, it's like gyms are closed. Especially now, yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, you don't and... know. You don't know what um, what's the new normal, as they mm-hmm. say. What's going to happen when do, gyms do open? Mm-hmm. I see videos now of uh, jujitsu gyms, like in Texas, like Dracolino. They have uh, taped off uh, areas mm-hmm. so that you're six feet distance you're in a six feet radius distance from the other guy and then um you have a grappling dummy you know and Mm -hmm. that's just uh um you know uh or something like that i don't know Mm -hmm. the right term for it i can't think of the right term right now it's just a means you know to get back to it but that's not what jujitsu is you know it's jujitsu is contact we need to roll you know so it's scary this time that how long this is going to last, you know, mm-hmm. that's what's, I am sure that's what's trouble, troubling every gym owner, every teacher right now. But um, because we love what we do, you know, we're going to stick it out. And I think because of that, everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Because yeah. dito, I mean, people are just waiting for the go signal and that's it's, it, it's, yeah. it's 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 parang I think everyone is just waiting for 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 that parang pag sinabi ni government okay guys back to normal everyone's itching to go back to yeah. training as in uh, we we get that and it's very comforting to be honest it's very comforting to know that uh, the community that we've built is very supportive and at the same time. Well, that, that's the consensus. Like everyone's, everyone's very keen on getting back to training, and 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 ito lang din yun, eh. Like in the jiu-jitsu community, I, I don't know what is the what what's the news there. Ang pinaka pinaka obvious jakare. Pero like for example, us here in the Philippines, like MMA and jiu-jitsu community, like there's no there's no who I know. No, there's no case. <laughs> I think we've only heard there's of no one. There's no case, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like Hodger and Jacare now. Mm. That's the only thing I heard of. There are people here down uh, in some gyms here. They started rolling. You know, I don't mm. know how that goes. <laughs> and then I see, yeah, no, I see, I see a lot of, I see a lot of garage jiu-jitsu going on there. Yeah, I see <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's about and because it. it the best way to boost your immune system is is to exercise, no, uh, <laughs> to beat to beat any kind of virus is to, is to boost your immune system. So for you to do that, you have to exercise. Um, uh, it's it's really who you are with and who are those people with. I say nagiging. I think that is the main concern. Is you could be asymptomatic and could pass it on to someone else. Pero, yun nga, if your body's strong and you can fight it, diba? I don't know. <laughs> diba? We don't know anymore. We don't know anymore. Diba? So, at least, yeah, ayan. So... And, 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 
now, now you're not just Chin Jiu-Jitsu classes, you're also handling MMA fighters. So where do you strike the balance? How do you, how do you do your best to manage everything? Like how many classes and then do you prioritize time if someone's fighting? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I teach my kids. I teach, they're all competitive. You know, my kids, they, they compete a lot. Like mm -hmm. once a month at least. And then I have my jujitsu classes. I have my private classes. And then I have the MMA. The mm -hmm. MMA. Uh, I saw a lot of MMA fighters coming from your gym now. We have a few, and uh, it, it's not hard to balance because you know, I, I, I always have something in store for these MMA guards. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I, I, I see them every day, so I know pretty much what they need, what they need to work on. You know, it's, it's not also as easy as some um, people think. Mm -hmm. Uh, finding matching fights is hard, you know. Mm. It's yeah, it's it's even here. You think ah, damn it, the states na there's a lot of athletes. It's a deep pool. No match, matching these fighters up is hard. Mm -hmm. There are fights that fall out. Maybe if you have you see a guy fighting twice a year, three mm -hmm. times a year, you know, it's right then and. Um, wow. My fighters, yeah, my fighters, my fighters, they have fights, more fights falling out than they do have fights, you know? It's crazy. And then are these like professional fighters that fighting is what they do? Professional or? fights, Bellator. Okay. We have, uh, there's Bellator. Um, I have fighters that fought the UFC, Bellator, and now um, Comte Americas, which is like the 1FC of uh, South America. You know, one parang one FC is to Asia, Combate Americas, Vita sa Latin American crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what uh, my fighters have been um, the promotion that we've been uh, uh, active in. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, oh, medyo curious ako dito. Like, since they're fighting professionally, do they do something else or are they really concentrated on just fighting? They're concentrated on just fighting. You know, well, I have. One fighter, Gio, he's a professional dog groomer. Mm -hmm. So while he's not on the side, he does that. But um, yeah, these guys are dedicated fighters and 100% gym so, rats. So, so like, along, along, so, so from there, it's everyday training. So during the, if they don't have fights, they, they focus more on what? Like skill building or they, do they do drilling? Skill building, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, drilling. Some of them teach mm -hmm. their coaches and um, wrestling coach. You know, they have, uh, uh, they teach, they work for the high schools, you know, mm -hmm. wrestling coaches. So, so then, then afterwards, you know, when, off season, they just try to stay in shape. Mm -hmm. And then when they get to, like, for example, they get, they get to fight in, in any organization. Where do you start preparing? Like once the contract is signed or once they just get a notice? Uh, they, they train every day, mm -hmm. regardless of a uh, match or not, you know, just to stay in shape, just to learn more, get more knowledge. And then um, when the fight is set, meaning contract is signed, the match mm. is set, then we start training more specifically for that certain fighter, mm -hmm. you know, looking for holes, looking for ways to be 
strategy to beat that certain fighter, you know, that's when camp starts really. But before then, it's you know, it's very generalized training, you know, just um, getting better at what they're good at and improving their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. <laughs> and then from from okay, let I I wanna I. I I've always uh, a guy that has the perspective who has a better perspective of the jiu-jitsu scene in the Philippines and then the jiu-jitsu scene there in the United States like in terms of relevance and acceptance to student count like how far are they um I'm very impressed of what jiu-jitsu has become in the Philippines you know there are guys that are coming out of there with uh, vast knowledge you guys are bringing people in from over here from brazil you know you guys are actually um uh have more uh are learning more from sources that than i am over here you know mm-hmm. you know i have these guys they're all you see these guys that you guys bring in their their gyms are not too far away from my my town but um you guys are, are more involved with these guys and I am, you know, so I see you guys have uh, every month uh, people from going over there, you mm-hmm. know, and conducting seminars with you guys, which is, um, which is good, you but know, which is good. But, I don't get to do that much. Yeah, but based on, here. but based on student count and like, cause for example, I, how, how do I phrase this? Like for example, when I have a conversation with Reese, parang it's one of the things na, na, like it's one of the things that I think about most of the time. I go like, a lot of people want to defend themselves. A lot of people see the relevance of self-defense, but how come they don't want to train self-defense, diba? It's like, and mm-hmm. and for me, and as much as I want to promote jujitsu and you want to be a good vessel for jujitsu you want to spread awareness and I always see, I'm very happy to see na, yeah, for example, in Australia and Jens America, and daming ng jiu-jitsu. So it gives me the motivation na, like for example, of a mat full of students is possible here as well. Diba? So yung, yung in terms of, of acceptance and, and awareness siguro, like is it, is it the same or must aware of mga tao dyan? I think it's it's getting to be at the same um, level of uh, acceptance and all that. I think that the Philippines has grown a lot over the past years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that the more accessibility to training, I guess, is the difference. Here, there's less um, distraction, I think. You know, if you really want to focus on something, it's more possible than it is compared to Metro, let's say Metro Manila in particular. You know, there's a lot of distractions, you know. Mm. Traffic pa lang, you go to the gym, like, uh, hassle, you know. That's the only thing I see as a hindrance, which is the distractions and the, also the discipline, you know. I, I'm just speaking for myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to, you know. I don't know how it is, guys, with the really motivated guys, but um, mostly it, basically, it falls down to discipline and how bad you want, uh, how good you want to become, how bad you want it, you know? Yeah. 
That's diba? that's it. Because, because there's a lot of distractions. Magyayayalang, oi, inuman na lang tayo. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we don't have that here. You know, you don't have that here. So, if you really want to focus on something, it's easier to do. Mm-hmm. And, Okay, let's wrap this up, Professor Fritz Rodriguez. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> how long? How long? How, what time is it? I don't know, man. It's more than an hour. And so and we barely scratched the surface. I want I want to do more. I, this is this is what I told Fritz uh, before. Anytime, I go man, like anytime. I go like I want to segment all these episodes. I don't want to cram up in in I want to cram it up in one episode that we're gonna rush it. So I mean uh, I want to cut it off there so that at least we get to segmentize everything. And, and I, wa- I want to talk more about certain things probably for another episode. But um, thank you for being here, man. Thank you. appreciate you That's, guesting on the podcast. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Uh, where can people yeah, find my you? Pleasure. Where can people find you, your social media and your school? Please plug it here. Um, Instagram, Fritz Rodriguez MA. Mm-hmm. Uh, just look for me, Fritz Rodriguez, on Facebook, and then um, I have my gym here in Palmdale, California, SoCal Fight Factory, SoCal Fight Factory, Palm, and in the Philippines, uh, Fight Factory, Manila. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find us we're everywhere there. You know. Yeah. So hey. yeah, it was very honor and pleasure to be part of your uh, Zoom podcast, and mm-hmm. I can't wait till the next time. And you see, uh, we're just barely scratching the surface. Barely scratching the surface. We can be fun. <laughs> We could go all day, you know, stories like what's good about um, DevTech is uh, we have a good history and stories. And And I think that's the main reason why I wanted to do this. I wanted to more or less like give the stories that we can tell. (laughs) But it's a good, it's a good basis and a good, uh, it's a good base point for, good base point for future students. So Fritz Rodriguez MMA, so-called Fight Factory, and Fight Factory, Manila, uh, Fight Factory Manila. Manila. Yep, they're they're all over the place. Uh, very good gyms, and um, the the students that he mentioned, yeah, and see Professor Tofi Ilagan, he's carrying on the legacy by uh, by a project lifestyle Manila. So, uh, Prof, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. And with thank that, thank you that's, so much, Prof. Yeah, that's what yeah. Coach Franco says. Bye bye. Coach Franco says, we'd like to thank our partners for making this episode possible. The faceless emotion as your senses come together. Being in the moment is the only thing that matters. Knots and crosses. Place your orders on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Delicious beans for your daily brew? Get your fix now with Awon Coffee. Order now on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Spelled A-W-O-N Coffee. Gatorade. Because nothing beats Gatorade. Inspiring community and culture. Spread the good vibes in the local jiu-jitsu community. Visit Ikiro Collective at ikiro.ph. Read news about the local martial arts scene here in the Philippines. Visit Local MMA on Facebook and listen to one of my favorite podcasts, Destroy MNL. The insights and lessons people share in my channel are inspirational, motivational, and life-changing. They have to be shared to help others achieve their dreams. My life is about providing value and helping others achieve their goals. Please help me make more podcast episodes, video tutorials, and educational content that will benefit everybody. Support this channel by clicking the link in the description box. 
Thank you for your support and I will keep making content that matters. So that's it everyone. Hope you enjoyed. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.